Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Mid-East Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Donald Trump's hitherto failed maximum pressure approach to Iran, and for that matter, towards North Korea, begs the question what the U.S. president's true intentions are and what options he is left with should the policy ultimately fail. In the case of North Korea, it remains to be seen whether the country's reported rebuilding of a rocket launch site after the U.S. president last month walked away from his summit in Hanoi with Kim Jong-un constitutes a negotiating tactic or a breakdown. The site was partially dismantled as a goodwill gesture after the two men first met in Singapore last year. A breakdown, coupled with even harsher sanctions that similarly may not do the job, risks leaving Mr. Trump with few good options beyond some kind of military operation. Mr. Trump has so far credibly conveyed his intent of wanting to fully denuclearize North Korea rather than ultimately change its regime, a further indication of the apparent comfort he finds in dealing with at least some autocratic and authoritarian leaders. The picture with regards to North Korea and Iran is both similar and different. Iranian resilience, backed by key players in the international community, determined to salvage the 2015 international agreement that curbed Iran's nuclear program, could blunt the impact of harsh U.S. sanctions, again, leaving the United States with few good options beyond either backing away from its maximalist approach or weighing overt or covert military action. Mr. Trump's intentions regarding Iran, in contrast to North Korea, are far less clear. Increasingly strident language by the president's hardline national security advisor, John Bolton, as well as his secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, coupled with the specific changes of Iranian policies that the U.S. is demanding, suggest that regime change rather than reform, may be the president's true objective. It is hard to see how Iran could comply with the U.S. demands without a change of regime. For now, Iran's strategy appears to be circumventing sanctions in every way it can, ensuring continued support by Europe, China, and Russia, and waiting it out to see whether Mr. Trump gets a second term in the 2020 U.S. elections in the hope that a Democratic president comes to office who would negotiate a return of the United States to the nuclear accord. A pressure campaign will only be effective if enough time is dedicated to it. In other words, there are no quick and easy victories as the North Korean case demonstrates. And attempts to get them will only push the goalposts further away, says political scientist Ariana Tabatabai. In a twist of irony, 
carrot and stick back efforts by international regulators to get Pakistan and Iran to significantly upgrade their legal abilities to counter political violence, potentially proving to be more effective than maximum pressure. Concern that Pakistan could be blacklisted by the Financial Action Task Force, or FATF, the International Anti-Money Laundering and Terrorism Finance Watchdog, compounded by mounting tension with India, prompted Pakistan in recent days to crack down on long-tolerated militant groups. Blacklisting potentially would have a debilitating impact on Pakistan's crisis-ridden economy. It would restrict the ability of multilateral organizations like the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the Asian Development Bank to aid or lend to Pakistan. The fact that Iran faces a similar dilemma has sparked intense debate in the Islamic Republic about how to deal with Fatah's demands that it join the watchdog and significantly upgrade its legal anti-money laundering and terrorism finance infrastructure to evade being blacklisted. Iran's parliament has so far passed two of four bills required for membership, and together with the Expediency and Discernment Council, is debating Iranian accession to the combating the financing of terrorism convention and the United Nations Convention Against Transnational Organized Crime, or Palermo Convention. The Fatah demands have put Iran between a rock and a hard place. Iranian ratification of those conventions, coupled with Fatah membership, holds out the promise of more effectively and more quickly than U.S. maximum pressure, curtailing Iran's ability to fund regional proxies. Failure to comply could significantly increase the pain of U.S. sanctions by prompting those banks and financial institutions still willing to do business with Iran to rethink their positions. It would also likely restrict the ability of supporters of the nuclear agreement to help Iran soften the impact of the sanctions. If you want us to succeed in talks with Europe, at least the four proposed bills must be ratified, said member of the Iranian parliament, Abul Fazl Musavi. By joining Iranian banks, will be under what it will be unprecedented international scrutiny. This will make it more difficult, although not impossible, for Iran to transfer money to terror organizations such as Hezbollah, Hamas, and Islamic Jihad. Additionally, Iranian membership in Fatah would weaken the financial strength of the Iranian hardliners, who have always called for a more aggressive foreign policy in the region, said Iran scholar Meir Javandanfar. That is what has fueled opposition in Iran to acceptance of Fatah's requirements. Hardliners have warned that Fatah would effectively impair Iran's ability to pursue a defense strategy focused on fighting the country's foreign policy and military battles far beyond its borders and would give U.S. sanctions more bite. 
joining these conventions will lead to interference with Iran's internal affairs, including financial and economic issues, said Abul Fazi Hassan Beghi, a member of the Iranian parliament's National Security and Foreign Policy Commission. Mr. Hassan Beghi warned that Fatah would be the vehicle that the country's detractors would use to gain access to the workings of Iran's banking and economic system and its flow of funds. As a result, Iran is at a crossroads, more because of the application of a rules-based international and multilateral system than the coercion of punitive sanctions imposed by a world power. In reality, Iran is emerging as a litmus test of the effectiveness of varying forms of global governance. If Iran does not comply with the Fatah regulations, the whole Iranian banking system could become thoroughly isolated from the global financial system. This means that it would be almost impossible to transfer the country's oil revenues internationally and even into its national economy, said political analyst Shahir Shahidad Saleh. And if it does comply, it will face complications, such as the creation of a financial intelligence unit that monitors and reports on the funding of political violence. Iran would risk becoming exposed to sanctions as a result of its chaotic banking system experience greater difficulty in bypassing U.S. sanctions, and finally, getting trapped in allegations of financial terrorism, Mr. Shahasdales added. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.